Book Guys show is brought to you by Audible. Go to bookguys.ca slash audible and get a free book just for signing up for a free trial. This is the Book Guys show. My name is Paul Alves in Toronto, and I'm joined by Professor Allen. From Central Ohio. Hello. Yeah. And Sir Jimmy, all the way in North Carolina. How are you doing, Sir Jimmy? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. It's Friday. I'm feeling fine. How about y'all? Very good. This is our first move, actually, to Friday. Episode 92. We're almost at 100, boys. What are we going to do for our 100th? Hmm. Free giveaway. Oh, free giveaway would be good. Oh yeah, that I would love to get stuff from our listeners. That, <laughs> yes. That's a great idea. Presents. That would be it's awesome. sort sort of an anniversary, a birthday, holiday. Yep, uh, but it has to be free for us. Like the free hollow, free hollow books at freehollowbooks.com. Free. It's free. Free hollow books. We got them. Uh, I smashed my phone last week. I dropped it. Which for like one? The, the Samsung S4. You were that angry about what? No, I just dropped it. But uh, I got the new HTC. Here it is. I got to say, if you like audiobooks or just audio in general, this is an awesome phone. It's got the Beats by Dr. Dre. It's the only stereo phone that I've ever heard of. It's loud. It's really loud. Uh, great audio. Great headphones come with it. Uh, I'd like to say thank you to the guy at Bell Canada who set us up. He got me a new phone and... Uh, Sort of jiggered everything so that I could get a phone without having to pay for it. Uh, they got a new Beats for Doc by Dr. Dre thing coming out. It's like a, a Bluetooth speaker like everybody has out. Yeah. But it's the Beats by Dr. Dre one. Yeah. And it's Which long means and lots of bass. They call them the pills. Right. Because okay. it looks right. like a Tylenol or something like that. I've seen the commercial one time. But the, this that one's is, loud enough. I can hear the ring. It rings. So. Now I actually Let's pick go. up the phone. Is that is that free phone program part of your socialized medicine up there in Canada? Yes. And is, and this the sort of, is, is this the sort of thing that we can expect under Obamacare? Under so, Obamacare, under, under Canadian healthcare, you do get a free phone, yes. But they're all <laughs> HTCs. A free Harper phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let, let's start off with what we've been reading. It's been a while, guys, since we did a show. I know mostly my fault. I'm going to launch my Audible app here. And this is what I've been reading. It is uh, American Gods, the 10th anniversary edition by Neil Gaiman. Lots of fun. I'm only about, uh, I'd say, a third of the way through. It's been on my to-read list for probably about 10 years. And uh, Neil Gaiman, basically, he, he goes, this was a trip to America that Neil Gaiman actually did while he was writing this novel. And uh, he's basically talking about all the myths and gods from the old country where people come to America, the way America was formed, with all these people from different countries, and how they all brought their own myths, like, you know, the Irish came over with the leprechaun myth, and you had the, you know, the Greeks, and everyone came over with Odin and, and Thor, and all these different myths that now you have this country made up of people from every other country, and what happens to those gods when their people go to a new country? So he kind of takes them as, as if these are real entities, and you meet a gentleman named Shadow, who just came out of jail, has been in jail for three years. And he meets a guy named Wednesday. And I don't want to spoil who Wednesday is, but a one-eyed man named Wednesday meets him and gives him a job, sort of as a bodyguard. And we get to meet a lot of these um, fictional characters. I'm going to give a full review next show, but lots of fun so far. I mean, Neil Gaiman can really do a good fantasy. Is Wednesday related to that guy that was in uh, Robinson Crusoe? No, no, he's not. What was his name? It was Friday. Friday. <laughs> Sorry. Getting all confused. But really enjoy it. And, th and this one is actually, it's a multi-voice audio. Uh, again, still a little quirks. Like you get uh, the, the gentleman who does the African voice, the African accent. He sometimes does an African female. And there's just a little things. But other than that, it's really good. Just like Ender's Game, the original uh, audiobook. Lots of great performances. Lots of great voices. Uh, I think there's about four of them on this one, four or five voice actors. And we'll talk about it a lot more on the next show, and I'll play a clip next show. Yeah, yeah I, read, I, I read that when it originally came out, so probably nine or ten years ago. And or is it, did you say 10th anniversary? 
Okay, tenth anniversary. Yeah, so nine or ten years ago, I thought it was okay. I I I wouldn't uh, 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 rave about it as 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 much as you have. I preferred his Good Omens yes, uh, yes. with uh, Terry Pratchett and did he write? I th- and Stardust and of course you can't talk Neil Game without mentioning. The Sandman comic book series, of course. Well, there's some Probably changes to the that. text in this one, Professor. It's the uh, original version that he wanted to see in print. So, uh, there, that's why it's called the 10th Anniversary Edition. It's actually so There are some changes. It's longer. Uh, he, he's written some more for it, and he's included some sections that his original publisher didn't you know, cut out, which is not it's always right. a good thing, as we know. Not always a good thing. Sometimes the editor knows best, but... Uh, so far, I'm enjoying it. As far as the audio, it's a good listen. Like, I don't know how good the read was, but the, the audio is very well done. It's, it's the director's cut. I like that. Yeah. I like that. So what's new with you, Professor? What's on the comic book rack? Well, unfortunately, the main thing that I've been reading recently are things like Foundations of Financial Management. Ooh. And, you know, school-related things. I do have on the audio... Uh, novel by Stuart Woods, and I've read just about everything he's written. I'm two or three books behind, uh, but probably read 20 or 30 of his novels. This is a, a thriller called Severe Clear. It's got, uh, it's got British intelligence, CIA, NSA, it's got the president, and it's got uh, private detectives and national security and all that, all that stuff you would expect in a thriller. Though it's paced more like a detective novel. Short, moves quick. Really enjoy those. So, Jimmy, anything happening on your side, North Carolina? Well, I, I, have, I started this book that was about the Beatles. And, like, how the whole band got together. And sort of what happened before they got famous. And, whoa, I really lost interest in that really quick. So, <laughs> I sort of, like, let somebody bar that and hope they don't try to give it back to me. Um, so I put, I've, I've ordered like three more books and the one that I'm, I'm kind of most excited about is about the Donner party. Um, I don't know. It's like prison movies or a movie with poker in it or any story where <laughs> people like start to die and have to eat their friends. You know, that's, that's like right up my alley. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that showing up. I, I, I think when I think about the people eating each other, I think of snow crash but I think I only think about that because when I hear snow crash, I think about the movie where the soccer team crashes in the snow oh, and then they have to eat that, each other. Was that alive? Uh, yeah, alive? that was alive. Yeah, yeah. So, but snow crash. Um, I'm I'm looking. I've been looking for a copy of that on paper. I might just have to break down and audibleize it. Fantastic. We're gonna do the book news after the break, uh, but we're, we're when we come back from the break, we're gonna do a quick break now. When we come back from the break. We're gonna talk about. Netflix's recent success at the Emmys and all the great things they've been doing with the Netflix original series, as well as an interview. Professor Allen, tell us about the interview we did. It was great. Yeah, we talked to a a podcast buddy of mine who's got his first novel out. His name's Thomas DJ, and he's written a novel called New Roads to Hell. And sort of a, it's got some superheroes in it, but it's based in the 1930s or the golden age of comic books. So it's got that pulpy, 1930s noir feel to it. Dick uh, Tracy ha- watch. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I'm having a lot of fun with it, and, and we, uh, we had a chance to talk to Thomas about the book. It's funny, Sir Jimmy, you said that, about the, you know, the whole like, uh, Dick Tracy watch thing. It's yeah. the only reason I would even consider getting one of those new Android <laughs> watches, because I, I want to talk to people like this, because I'm sick of all the people in the subway talking like this or on the street. Hello? Yes! Let... Let's speak really loud. And I really don't oh, care what they're talking about. I, I, as long as if somebody's holding the phone, they're talking to it, that's one thing. But if, if their phone's in their pocket and they're just talking like this and you don't <laughs> see that they've got that little blue tool thing in their head, that's even worse. I'm thinking, wow, there's a lot of nut jobs out here. So I want to get revenge and, on all those people. I want to be on somebody like this. Yes, I'm coming now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, over. <laughs> but that's the same reason... That's the same reason you bought your flip phone and you still have it because you want to feel like you're on Star Trek. That's right. And plus, <laughs> if, you, if you get really pissed at somebody and you want to hang up on them, 
It's like you, you could oh that you slam could slam it shut. Yeah, I know. Like, oh. As opposed to have you Take can't that. you push it. I have to slide it. Yeah. I have to get the right menu. <laughs> and if I hit it too hard, I'll break the glass. Like, yeah. Clicking end really hard. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So folks, we'll be right back after these messages. Hey, I'm Alex Ruiz, and I'm a Simpson animator turned conceptual artist, and I draw things from crazy creatures to crazy environments to Simpsons and everything in between. And you guys are listening to the Book Guys. All right, and back on the book, guys, we've got a, a little one-on-one interview with a, a longtime podcasting uh, legend, Thomas DJ. Thomas, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Professor. Although you're making me blush when you talk about me being a longtime legend. <laughs> I think that's a way of calling you old, but if yeah, you want to take it as a compliment, that's fine. Okay, well, I know I'm old. We are not here to talk about podcasting. As often as we do that on the Book Guy show, we are here mm-hmm. today to actually talk about books. A book in particular, New Roads to Hell by Thomas DJ. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, it's, uh, it's, obvious. it's my first novel. Um, it's, it takes place in the Chimera Falls universe, which is like a loose collection of um, stories I've been writing the last couple of years. And it is a dark, new pulp superhero novel that's set during the golden age of comics in a fictitious city called Nocturne. And um, if you have problems with the state of the comics today, come and, come and spend some time with me, because you might enjoy it. Now, you say this is your first novel, but you've also been writing stories in this universe, where have those appeared? What's what? What's that process been? They've been. Uh, there have been two stories in the two "How the West Was Weird" volumes for, through Pulp Works Press. Uh, one featuring the Frontier Exorcist El Cuevo, and the other featuring the cyberpunk uh, inventor slash adventurer Doc Thunder. Uh, also, there have been a couple of things like. You can still probably find something called Onyx Revolver, which I did a long time ago, which actually takes place in Chimera Falls, which is the city that the universe takes its name from. Um, and I hope that we can build through, as we get further into the, uh, the Shadow Legion novels and collections, uh, more of a history of this universe, since it is kind of different from our own. Now, you dropped the phrase Shadow Legion on us, so where does that fit into Nocturne and to Chimera Falls and New Roads to Hell? Map it all okay. out for us. The Shadow Legion is the, super, the loose collection of superheroes in Nocturne itself. Nocturne is the city that lives by night. It is uh, situated in Florida. Um, and the first book takes place in 41. We're going to see the history of the Shadow Legion in the first three novels. Um, as it develops throughout the years. The last novel is going to take place in the 90s, and then the fourth book will take place in the modern day. Um, Kind of like the Golden Age, I chose to use fictitious cities. So there are cities that that are similar. Like, for example, there is a city like New York called the City of Empire. There is a city like... Boston that we call Chimera Falls, a city like Chicago that we call Jotun. Uh, but just like in the 1930s and 40s when comics were first coming into age, people created fictitious cities. That's how we're starting in the Chimera Falls universe. And we will continue that well into the, the modern day, maybe even into the future. And when you get to, when you get to the stories told in the 1990s, I expect there to be many pouches, absurd <laughs> musculature. I mean, are, I mean, it's actually a semi-serious question. Is is the concept as you go through time to sort of reflect comic books of those eras? It's going to reflect the pop culture of the era. So, like, there's going to be kind of an element of spy culture in the in the second novel. 
which is called Amongst Monsters, which has not been started yet. Um, but yeah, there will be reflections of what was popular in pop culture at that time. So we've got some World War II stuff going on in, the, in New Roads to Hell. We've got some gangster stuff. And hopefully, my dear, dear friend Derek uh, Ferguson uh, mentioned that the thing he's liked so far is that I have been reflecting the way the comic, com- the comic industry changed throughout the years. Um, and hopefully we'll continue to see that as we move you know, forward into as we get synced up with the modern day. Now, broadly speaking, with no spoilers, are these heroes powered or non-powered? Just to give me some context or a little bit of both. There are some abilities, yes. Um, some of them are very, very strongly powered, and some of them just have like one or two abilities. Um, the one that I've been finding the most fun to write in New Roads to Hell, he just has this one ability. Um, he's not rec- he, He's knocked out of sync with this reality, so people don't recognize him. Unless they oh, actively, wow. unless they he actively concentrates on it, so he literally becomes an invisible man, although not in the way that we think of invisibility. Uh, but then you have another character who is perhaps the most powerful character in the book, who oddly enough is the character who probably thinks of herself least as a superhero. So th- th- just like with. Uh, Comics in the Golden Age, you had these like guys who were just like one-trick ponies and these guys who pretty much could do anything. Kind of hanging out side by side, drinking coffee, and right. swapping stories. Now you've been, you said, you said you've been writing some stories in this world for a little while, but in general, how long has this world, this story, how long have these characters been rattling around in your head? Um, I would imagine, as a comics fan quite some time in, in one version or another, but <laughs> um, one of them, one of the characters you're going to meet in New Roads to Hell is uh, the Black Talon. The Black Talon started out as a character that I created for a role, a tabletop role-playing game by mail. There, there's, a, there's a phrase we don't think we ever heard for, we haven't heard for a while. Um, that was back, gosh, that was back in the 90s. So he, he's been around, kicking around for a long time. A lot of these other characters came out of a, this something that I had a great frustration with the DC New 52 when it was announced two years ago. And I originally decided to do a sort of a, a fan fiction. But as I was outlining the fan fiction, I saw that the characters had moved so far away from the original concepts that I went around to a lot of my writer friends and said, does this seem like a novel? And one of them happened to be Ron Fortier of Airship 27, the uh, New Pulp publisher, and said, I think you should do this as an original novel. In fact, if you do it as an original novel, I will publish it. And Perfect. that... That grew into a because it looks like he was looking for a super a pulp superhero series. Anyway, and I just happened to come along at the right time, and that expanded into the idea of we're doing the three novels, and in between each novel, we're going to have a short story collection uh, called the Shadow Legion Casebooks, which are going to be four stories, one for each of the four characters. And through that, I hope to also expand the universe. Like in uh, one of the four stories as completed right now. Uh, we learn about the age before the Golden Age. You know, the, the Pulp Age in Nocturne right. and, and the characters who fought and, uh, you know, saved people back then. Uh, we also learn about some new characters who are going to become heroes in that we're going to see in Amongst Monsters. So I'm allowed to, and the hope is that eventually one day I'll be able to reach out to other writers and say, here's my world, here's my playground, pick a city, populate it with your guys, and let's have fun. That's great. That's great. And I like that uh, it, 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 it does speak of the old DC universe, 
where every character had their town, had their right. city to protect. And there, there's something nice about Marvel, everybody being able to cross over and hang out in New York City, but there's something unique about about the DC world where was in his town and Superman and Batman were in their towns, etc. Well, we have so like- references in, in the first book to characters who have shown up in Empire and other major cities. And in fact, it's them that inspire uh, one or two of the characters to take on a costumed identity. And if you're taking place in the 30s and 40s, you know, getting from Chicago to Boston is not quite as easy as it is now, or communicating uh, yeah. from town to town is not quite as easy as it, is, as it is now, so you can make that isolation, I think, a little more believable. Right, exactly. And, and uh, there's a, a reason why all this is happening in this small city in, in Florida, and we'll okay. explore that in, over the three novels. I mean, there is going to be an overarch. The villain who we introduced in the first book is going to have presence in both the next two books. The, the who turns out to be apparently one of the most popular characters from the people who beta read this, which is Rose Red, the woman with the talent for murder. <laughs> now we we are speaking for all of the book guys. We are huge fans of audio books and audio dramas, and you have a podcasting pedigree. And we can uh, talk about your 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 shows as well. But um, any plans or thoughts about selling an audio version of this? I love audio drama. I am a big, big, big audio drama fan. I mean, you heard that promo I put together. Absolutely. Which I and I and God bless all the friends of mine who pitched in on that. Michael Bailey and Des uh, Reddick and his wife. Uh, Bill Robinson, uh, Andrew Leyland, all of them. I mean, God, Kalen Conley, Paul Her- Herman, who agreed to to just be goofy with me for a couple of minutes uh, and do this. Um, my hope is that we can do um, something. If we can't get an official audio book, maybe adapt a chapter or two or something as a kind of a free giveaway. On the on the website that I have that's dedicated to the Chimera Falls universe, which is the, the Nocturne Travel Agency, which is at uh, welcome to nocturne.blogspot.com. So, I mean, I love if I would lo- love to have an audiobook. I would love to have a hell if I could figure a way to do it, given my time constraints, and do like sure. a weekly or a monthly Shadow Legion radio serial. I would do it. I mean, it 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 sounds like you have placed this in the perfect era for you. I mean, it sounds like you're in love with the pulp, with this sort of old school audio radio drama sort of thing. Oh God, yeah. I, I in fact, one of the the main characters who uh, owns a radio owns a radio station in right. Nocturne, and his um, one of his major shows is a show called The Nightbreaker, which is their local superhero character who ends up becoming real and the owner becomes something other than what he is too. So yeah, I I love, I just love that era and I love the way that you could do anything you want and with judicious use of sound, you can make it happen. I, I just I, I, I just adore radio drama. <laughs> I, I've tried many times to do a radio drama in the past. I've done I, I've worked at various times on a flash radio drama that never got off the ground because the guy I could never collaborate with, uh, can, never could sync up the schedule with. Uh, I, my dear friend Paul Cully and I tr- tried to put together a Doctor Who mock season one for the American <laughs> Doctor Who series with Paul McGann. <laughs> Um, and, and we were, we actually were coming up with story ideas and like, well, we could do this and we could do that. And the idea was we'd, we'd do them, you know, we put together 26 of them and release them once a week. Um, Michael Bailey and I tried to put together something with some, uh, public, uh, domain superheroes. So yeah, this is one of my great passions. This is something I really love and want to do. 
So <laughs> it would not surprise me if something happens in one way or the other. Uh, so now at this point, I think we'll play a clip or, a, or that promo, and then uh, we'll be right back. Throughout its history, people have found this place disquieting. Strange and unexplained phenomena run rampant, so much so that it's been called the city that lives by night. And the city that lives by night needs a darker form of protector. Black Talon. Please don't kill me! You tell them all, Nocturne is the Talon's hunting ground. Your kind had best look elsewhere for prey. Nightbreaker. What was this? Some sort of joke? No! Gloria, this sounds crazy, I know, but she did shoot me. Something happened. I'm still not sure what, but people don't recognize unless I truly concentrate on their wanting to see me. It's like I'm invisible. Fairy Man. The ghosts you refer to have done more for me than you two have. They've given me my sight back. <laughs> They've given me better than my sight back. Dreamcatcher. Witches, warlocks, mages, magicians, shamans. Call us what you like. It's all the same. We've helped when we can, eluded those too ignorant to understand that magic isn't evil. And it's made us sensitive to others who have magic running in their veins. A quartet of heroes standing together must face a new menace. This can be painless, you know. You ain't putting the front on me, Slag. Just take your shot, yeah? I was hoping you'd say that. Who is going to use the roughest elements of the city? You that rose red bitch? That's right. I'm not even mad at you for adding the bitch part. Because I am. And I know you guys are some of the nastiest, toughest, roughest, meanest bastards in this town. Am I right? Yeah! yeah! Good, because I have need of you. To send this city. Come on! This ends tonight. Down New Roads to Hell. New Roads to Hell, the first Shadow Legion adventure by Thomas DJ. A new novel coming soon from Airship 27. For more information, including character sketches and behind-the-scenes information... Visit the Nocturne Travel Agency at welcometonocturne.blogspot.com and airship27.com. All right, the promo sounds great, and I, I understand you had some of your podcasting buddies involved in the putting that together? Yeah, I basically sent out an email to many of my podcast brethren who I already uh, mentioned. And I was surprised and very warmed by how many people did, um, you know, step up to bat. Even a couple of people like, you know, Rachel Bailey, you know, Michael Bailey uh, of Houston Long Fox's wife, who is, you know, my hero for, for, for a lot of what a lot of a lot of her sass. I mean, she's just she's just so great. <laughs> and uh, a Megan Reddick, you know, Des's wife, who plays our femme fatale Rose Red. Um, they stepped up and I was so grateful for that. So, so we've mentioned your podcast. Tell us a little bit about better in the dark. Then I'm going to push you a little bit about DJ's comics cavalcade as well. <laughs> the only problem with DJ comics cavalcade is it's, it's a fully scripted show and I've just had so much on my plate. And I haven't been able to get episodes out. Um, there's still, I think 67 episodes on, um, available yep. at earth2.net. I hope to get 68 and 69 done because the tradition is every Halloween I do one Phantom Stranger and one Man Thing. Um, it's it's a jokey look at Golden Age and Bronze Age comics one at a time. Uh, Better in the Dark I've been doing for God, going on seven, eight years now with my best friend in the whole world, Derek Ferguson, who is the creator of Dylan. I don't know if you've had him on yet, Professor, but you really should. Mm -hmm. He's a great guy. Um. And we, we've been talking movies for, like I said, for going on seven years. We have 152 episodes available, ranging from um, the original Universal Frankenstein series to our uh, whole series about the James Bond films to um, a rather strange episode where we started talking about George Romero's non-zombie films, and it ended up being an appreciation of Jason Statham. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> yeah, I have just barely dipped my toes into the podcasting waters. Um, mm -hmm. I've been I, I've been joining Paul on this show for 
about a year and a half. And be honest, it's not a lot of prep. He does all the work. We just the rest of us co-hosts just just show up and talk. And I've been doing a couple <laughs> a couple new comic book podcasts. And uh, I, I'm I'm in 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 some ways modeling on on you and Tom Cater's doing the short twenty minute type of show. And oh, I love it, it's such a shame Tom doesn't get stuff out anymore. Yeah, He's, yeah. he was. He was my inspiration. I, I was very honest about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that, and I, I, I had because I collected a whole bunch of DC Essentials, I mean Marvel Essentials and DC Showcases, but never got around to reading them. And I, I, I listened to right. Tom's back then. It was you know Tom versus the JLA, and I'm like, I love this. It's like this could be my excuse to start reading these books finally. <laughs> but it's uh, it is so much easier to do an hour mostly unscripted with a couple of notes than it is to do yeah. 15 to 20 minutes scripted. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's so much easier when it's like, like Sean, I, I'm like a, a semi-regular co-host on Sean Engel's Just One of the Guys, which obviously I know that you, that you enjoy very much, Alan. Yes. And that's just me and Sean. That's what I think is, is one of the, um, one of the secrets of a great podcast. If you can make the listener feel like he's just pulled up a chair to a conversation with with two friends, um, you've won the battle because that's what I think makes Better in the Dark great. That's what I think makes Sean's show great. That's what I think Michael Bailey's show. Michael Bailey is amazing at that. He he just shrinks the world down to you and him while you're listening to his podcast, or you and him and Shag, or you and him and me. Depending right. upon who's his guest host, um, if you can do that, they'll find you because people love that intimacy. I think. Yeah, I mean, there is something. I mean, we talked about it in terms of audio drama and radio. There is just something about audio, especially when you have folks who've known each other as long as you and Derek have, or I think of of Chris and Scott on Two True Freaks. You know, oh, lifelong God, yeah. best friends. You know, um, one of the shows I'm doing is is a show talking about comics with my daughter, and it really is. It's it's we've been having these conversations since she was eight. Just now that she's twenty, we started recording them, and I, I assume that's pretty much the same with you and Derek. Yeah. You've you've had these conversations much longer than you've had a podcast. Just at some point, you started to to record them. Yeah. Well, we usually talk. Derek and I usually talk at least two times a week. If we, if we don't physically get together and we'll be talking about something in the movies or some um, issue that's going on in pop culture. And one of us will stop and go, let's table this for an episode. And uh, it's, it's, I think it's that easiness that comes from, I've known him for going on 15 years now. Uh, obviously you've known, uh, and you've known your daughter for 20 years <laughs> and, uh, another one, I, you know, another podcast I would love to bring up here if it's okay is, uh, Hey Kids Comics, Andrew and Michael Leyland. Um, obviously it's stolen a format from them, of course. Yeah, But I mean, once again, hell there's, um, what was it? The, I couldn't care less about the X-Men, but I love the uncanny X cast cause I love hearing the interplay between the two hosts. I will I will listen to a show where I don't care about the subject just to hear the two hosts interacting with each other. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, let's circle back around to uh, New Roads to Hell. Tell us when it's going to be out, where we're going to be able to find it, all of that important information. Okay. New Roads to Hell will be available on September 16th, which means it is probably out right this second. It is available for your Kindle on a PDF and has a dead book, dead tree. Um, you can get it through Amazon.com or through, if you want the dead tree version, through CreateSpace. And uh, if you follow uh, me either on Facebook, just call my name, Thomas DJ, and there I am, D-E-J-A. Um, or the Welcome to Nocturne Facebook page, which is Welcome to Nocturne, obviously. Um, we'll be announcing where you can find it once it comes out. And uh, if also, if you follow, if you, you have a Twitter, because I am a twit, you can um, go to 
at Nocturne Tom DJ, and I'll be doing full updates. So there you go. So there's, I'm not that hard to find people. <laughs> this is exciting for you. Just, just um, you know, as I've it, it's scary. Uh, mm-hmm. No, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I've been following you again through DJ's Comics Cavalcade for quite some time. And then, then as I've gotten into the podcasting community and following folks on Facebook, it's exciting to sort of see you working your way through this process. Yeah. it's Well, I mean, I used Facebook during the quiz. This is not the first time I've tried to do a novel. I've, I've made a couple attempts, and I failed. So I used Facebook as almost like the thing to keep me honest while I was writing this back in 2011 where I posted how, how many words I had gotten done that day and how far, how far I had left. So uh, that way I could say, you know, I had a, my goal available for everybody to see. Um, and I'm probably going to go back to doing that because I've got two novellas I've got to get done real, real soon that are not connected to the Chimera Falls universe. One for Monster Earth 2, which is a great, if you haven't read Monster Earth, uh, from Mechanoid Press, uh, edited by Jim Beard and Jim Palmer. You have to do pick this up because it's a great book of short stories about giant monsters. It's basically a, an alternate world where instead of the nuclear weapons, all of the governments in the world put their money into cryptid research. So every nation has its own monster that they use as a weapon. Um, so I'm doing a, a story for the second volume of that, and I'm doing a story for a book also with uh, with Mr. Beard that I'm not allowed to talk about just yet because it has not been formally announced. But after that, that I sounds exciting. Up, yeah, after that, I finish up the Shadow Legion case book, and then I get to work on my second novel, which is not which is in the Chimera Falls universe, but not connected to the Shadow Legion. It is called Jenna Forever, and if the Shadow Legion is my um, Love Letter to the Defenders and Steve Gerber and Golden Age DC. Jennifer Forever is my love letter to the Legion of Superheroes and Jim Starlin and Paul Levitz. Oh, great. Looking forward to that. So that's going to probably be out, God willing, late in 2014. <laughs> uh, that's going to be out through Pulpworks Press. Pulpworks Press has a, a, a faster turnaround. So, But yeah, there'll be lots of people. <laughs> That's terrific. Well, keep us posted. We'll certainly have you back on the show at some point. We are huge fans of Doctor Who, and I know you are as well. So at some point, we need to talk, have you on for one of our, one of our Whovian discussions as well. Sounds like a plan, my friend. Sounds like a plan. We can definitely do that. I'm always available to talk to Who. I mean, I do that with uh, Sean and uh, Shag right. and all them once a month on Who True Freaks. Available through the Two True Freaks Network. I'm like a Plugging machine. (laughs) But the main thing we want to mention again, New Roads to Hell by Thomas DJ. Available, I think we can probably say now. Yes. So come and and, and go to to the Nocturne Travel Agency at welcometonocturne.blogspot.com because there will be a contest where you can win. I don't know what sort of fabulous prizes, but there will be fabulous prizes. (laughs) Sounds good. Thanks for joining us, Thomas. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Have a great evening, everybody. Hi, this is Jeremy Bullock, Boba Fett from the first Star Wars trilogy. Come and read my book. Go online, jeremybullock.com, and you can see all about my book, Flying Solo. You've been listening to The Book Guys. And we're back. Thomas DJ, great interview. Professor Allen, looking forward to reading his books. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm about three chapters in. And uh, thoroughly enjoying it so far. I, I will have a full report for an upcoming episode of the Book Guy Show. I, I love the whole idea of you know progressing the books through the the Golden Age, the Silver Age, etc. That's that's fun. Yeah, I, I I think conceptually that's a pretty neat idea. So guys, let's talk a little bit about uh, Netflix success recently. I mean, we've seen House of Cards. I don't know if you guys have you guys uh, watched House of Cards? Brilliant series, well put together. Uh, they just got a couple Emmys, I think three Emmys for House of Cards. They're talking about bringing back some series that have been canceled. And uh, recently, the Netflix CEO has uh, stated that 
one of the ways that they find new properties to to bring to Netflix originals to revive or uh, you know bring to the television screen is by watching the piracy rate. <laughs> so what they're doing is they're going to sites like uh, PirateBay.com and uh, TorrentPortals.com and all these other sites that probably shouldn't be given out, but there they are, um, and seeing who is the most popular uh, uh, pirated program, which I think is genius. I mean, uh, not only are these people uh, watching the show, they love the show, they're online, they're using a computer anyways, and just like me, I would much prefer to legally pay for my stuff. I'd rather watch on Netflix because, you, you know, you click it, it, it starts playing. And so they're looking at bringing back quite a few more series that have been canceled. <laughs> Firefly! <laughs> and, you know, whatever else. And, and using that as uh, basically the, the measuring stick. What do you think, Professor? Does this work? I like the idea from a marketing and business perspective of thinking about the tech-savvy consumer as your target customer. So I like, I like that concept. I do wonder about, you mentioned things, Firefly or, or anything else. I wonder how muddled the ownership is because you've got yeah. the creator, the executive producer usually have a studio which may be separate from the network right. and sort of who exactly owns what. Who owns the uh, rights. I, I, yeah, I, I wonder on, on things like that. Um, yeah, it gets complicated. I mean, I mean, even Disney can't make a Spider-Man movie right now because exactly because Sony, Sony has, the, has the rights to the movies. Uh, so I, I that that's sort of the only thing that jumps out at me from a you know what what is doable. I, I just think about I'm a huge fan of of Babylon Five, right? The TV series and the creator of that, J. Michael Straczynski, has for years tried to get some rights back from. In this case, it's uh, Warner Brothers right. and DC Comics, uh, and trying to either do do some comic books through DC, which is also part of Warner Brothers. No, there's could theoretically be some synergy there, or doing books, uh, you know, to do more sort of an expanded universe, like Star Wars and Star Trek have been successful at doing. But Warner, Brothers, they are tight-fisted on their properties yeah. and even when the, the creator of the show comes to them and says I've got this idea and it will make us all money they they would rather hold on to the property uh, than use it so I think you're you're gonna run into you know, a lot of situations like that where the ownership is so crazy that it's 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 gonna be impossible to make I think Netflix is gonna run into some scenarios though like uh, I'm going to take, just as a stupid example, the, the new Knight Rider that came out. And we're looking at the, the target audience for that are younger. Uh, people rediscovering the series. And they had huge numbers on Pirate Bay and EZTV.IT and TornPortal.com. And, and they didn't get that big a number as far as broadcast numbers. But you're looking at young people now. They're not watching TV on a television at home, on the couch. They're watching it on their iPad, their iPhone, their Android phone, whatever. You know, they're watching on their laptop because they can, right? Like the kids in their room nowadays mostly have a laptop, you know, or a Mac or a PC. They don't have a TV in their room. If anything, they'll get like a little, you know, dongly USB thing to plug in their TV <laughs> so they can hook up their cable into that. And I think Netflix has a great opportunity here uh, having this mindset where they could say, well, you know what, NBC Universal. Can we uh, license that Knight Rider property for five years and we'll put it on Netflix? I, I agree from Netflix perspective. I, 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 I'm sure that Netflix has a huge list of potential properties. I wonder how many they can actually get done. Because mostly it's been original series. The yeah. only exception is there another one I'm not thinking of. Well, there's Arrested Development. It's pretty much the one. Okay, yeah, that's – anytime you're talking about how great an idea is and you can count the examples on one hand, that tells you maybe yeah. there is some limitations, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, I mean, Netflix obviously doesn't have an unlimited budget as well. They're, they're constrained by you know, financials. but uh, They ought to be. I mean, their stock price has doubled in the last 12 months. It's $312 a share. Nice. Back to almost a tie before the debacle with the pricing and the splitting up the streaming and – Yes. 
Yeah. And then what they came out with, they came out with some other little crazy service thing, and then they squashed that real quick. Exactly. And said, no. Well, they also have the advantage that they're not looking at Nielsen ratings. They don't care about Nielsen ratings. They uh, don't need it. All their, They yeah. have all that information. They're holding it close to the vest. They just right. care about sign-ups, and they don't even tell you how many people watch House of Cards. They just show you, look, one, two, three Emmys. Great show, and it's uh, Kevin Spacey's back on board next year. Another season. Yeah. We're looking at, there's going to be an Arrested Development movie and another season. And that's a show that was sitting in limbo for 10 years. Sure, it's like Amazon doesn't tell you how many Kindles they've sold. You know why? Right. They don't have to. Right, they don't have to. <laughs> uh, we'll, t we'll keep a watch on that whole Netflix thing, but it's not very book-related. So let's move on to book news. Organizers behind the Man Booker Prize announced this week that starting next year, Americans will also be eligible for the competition, which up until now has only allowed entries from snooty British Commonwealth countries. <laughs> Those tea-drinking sons of... <clears throat> Sorry. This is probably one of the most uh, prized and, and cherished and sure. esteemed uh, book prizes, or book competitions in the world. Uh, by the way, a couple years ago, Sisters Brothers. Check that one out. Great book. Um, yeah, it's, it's great to see that America, Americanos are being allowed into the competition. <laughs> and uh, apparently more than half of uh, Americans read just for fun. Um, according to a study conducted by the what? National Endowment for the Arts, 55% of Americans reported that uh, during 2012 they had read at least one book not required by work or school and the vast majority of these works read for fun are novels or short fiction far outpacing poetry and plays and perhaps even comic books what that number actually surprises me i never would have guessed that more than half of americans read at least one book a year i, I mean i honestly thought it was a lot less yeah i, I maybe some people are, are fluffing their numbers up a little bit <laughs> you know. Phone book. <laughs> Do they even have those anymore? I, I don't think a lot so. of, I, I spent a lot of time on Facebook. Does that count as a book? I mean, it's got book in the name. <laughs> what do you read? Twitter. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, that's really surprising, and uh, it's good to see that many people. Uh, let's move on to books on film. Books on film and television. A Walking Dead spinoff is coming. I'm excited about this. According to AMC, a spinoff of The Walking Dead will be premiering in 2015. Uh, the new show is going to be set in, a, in a, the same universe, completely different location, new characters, and uh, a new location, new characters. Could be fun. Same universe, though. It's going to be the same uh, whole zombie setup. I think we might be seeing one or two characters from the original series spinning off into there. Nerds unite! More Walking Dead. This is great. I hope it's the same writers. That's the secret to a show like that. And when you spin it off, as long as Robert Kirkman's involved, I have high hopes. If this is AMC spinning it off on their own, then I might be a little less comfortable with it. But looking forward, that's for sure. Warner Brothers and J.K. Rowling team up for Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them film series. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them will be an original story and will mark Rowling's screenwriting debut. It is planned as the first picture in a new film series set in the Wizarding World. The story will feature magical creatures and characters, some of which will be familiar to devoted Harry Potter fans. Strong ratings for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. premiere. The action franchise Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., S-H-I-E-L-D, is off to a fast start for ABC. Marvel uh, was... Marvel's? Well, the show was seen by like 12 million people in the U.S., and its series debut was just this past Tuesday. More importantly, ABC had the best ratings of any new broadcast drama in four years. All of its broadcast television among the important 18 to 49-year-old demographic, which is like pretty much everybody. Um, even uh, 
NCIS was the best one last year. Well, whatever. We've got a couple people here who actually watch the show. Let's see what they got to say That's about right. it. We only we only want to talk to them if they're in the eighteen to forty nine demographic. Well, one of them <laughs> is close, and the other one is you know. We don't say no. Not comment. even close. Come down here. Come down here where we can see. You Hi, Nobot. Hi, Mrs. Show. Sir Jimmy. Hello. What'd you think? What'd you think, think? What'd you think of I Shield? It was awesome. I thought it was amazing, but the beginning was a little predictable. Yeah. Oh. What did you guys I, think about the? Um, like the special effects budget versus watching it at the movie theater. It was, it, I, I like, thought it cheesier? was fun. It, it was a lot, Sir Jimmy, like, uh, like, like heroes. Uh, like I said, if you ever watched Torchwood, it was kind of like Torchwood and heroes set in the Marvel Universe. So you know it's going to be a little bit low budget. You're not going to see like, you know, Iron Man flying through the sky all the time. But it was a lot of fun. So they the explained why the guy from New Adventures of Old Christine wasn't dead and why the girl from <laughs> How I Met Your Mother was back. And Not yet, not like, yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw that in like the preview. I was like, yeah, well, how, well, how they do that? And they, these guys are like, oh, they did it. They, they, they got it. And the best torture scene on television ever. Really? We don't want to spoil it. it. We don't want to spoil it. The truth spoiling. serum. The truth serum. La, la, la. Was a great scene. So, folks, you got to watch it just for the truth serum scene. Yes. <laughs> and Agent Colton, uh, the, the actor, I forget his name, doing a great job reprising his role as. Agent Colton, maybe? I don't know who he is. Could be a clone, could be a robot. Could have been brought back to life. We don't know yet. Rogue. It's, uh, it's comic books. Dead is uh, always a temporary state. That's exactly. right. Exactly. And I don't want to spoil it, but there, are, there could be a reason why Agent Colton is back. And there's a spoiler. I don't want to. Professor Allen probably knows in the, in the S.H.I.E.L.D. universe, there is a way for there to be doubles. Just putting it that way. Thank yes. you, correspondence. See ya. See ya. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, nice seeing you, as always. Uh, we're going to move on to... Uh, that was... Uh, that was... Blah, 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 blah. Comic books. <laughs> <laughs> Is it time for comic books, Professor Allen? Comic books, comic, comic books, books, comic books, comic books. I have no idea what you're saying. Everybody's favorite green lawyer is coming back to Marvel. Marvel has announced in USA Today that the longtime Avenger She-Hulk will be getting a new ongoing series starting in February 2014. She-Hulk is currently appearing in both the Mighty Avengers and FF and is also known as a lawyer in superhero affairs. The writer says she is strong a very strong female character, and comics absolutely cannot have too many of those. There's no reason Jennifer Walters can't be iconic, and we're going to do what we can to make that happen. I, I would love to see She-Hulk in the Avengers uh, movies. That'd be great. I bet you would. Hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> Just as a lawyer. Hey, Just you know what? It's, it's, guys, it's, it's not in our show rundown, but uh, there has been talk about the, uh, the new Avengers movie, Age of Ultron. And it's starting to look like Ultron's origin story might be changed a bit. We haven't confirmed that uh, Ant-Man, Giant-Man, Hank Pym is going to be in it. So it's looking like Ultron may come from Stark Enterprises instead. It's got a lot of comic book nerds up in arms. It says uh, Ultron, not Ultraman. No, not Ultraman. Whole, whole different universe. Okay. Although Ultraman is awesome. He yes. Is, he is awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Both, both the Japanese one and the uh, DC one. Put it out there. Spider-Man <laughs> versus Ultraman. No, but it's looking like Ultron will be an offshoot of Jarvis, who is the AI inside all the Iron Man armor. Uh, although I do hope that they do include Hank Pym, Ant-Man, and Giant-Man in the whole story of how this evil robot tries to take over the universe. I think within the within the universe they already have, it makes more sense to keep it with Tony Stark because he is the robotic technological genius that they've already established. Yeah. Maybe a little Bruce Banner in there too. You sort of don't need another super genius well, science but, but, but guy. But they, You've but already they've already signed. They've signed an Ant Man movie, a Giant Man movie. So I'm hoping Hank Pym is the guy at Stark Industries. I'm just you know yeah, keep it. 
a little bit close to the book. It doesn't have to go too far. From what I can tell, the main thing that the movie and the comic book is going to have in common is the word Ultron. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Sort of like World War Z. <laughs> well, you know, not to engage in major and a in a major act of self-promotion, but in the latest episode of Short Box Showcase, hosted by Professor Allen and his daughter Emily, we spent well over an hour talking about comic book adaptations, both things coming from comics into movies and into TV, and vice versa, things we'd like to see maybe made into comic books as well. Fantastic. When are we going to see Emily and yourself join us to talk about, for like an hour, about all these new podcasts? It'll happen. There you go. It'll happen, folks. <laughs> uh, you know what else is going to happen? This. Technology. On Thursday, Apple applied for a patent on technology that will allow authors to digitally autograph ebooks. And we've heard about this kind of stuff before. But I think what they're doing now is adding a widget to every ebook that has a page with a, a method of being able to sign it. Now, it doesn't have to authenticate through servers or whatever, but if, if you have a Neil Gaiman book up on your iPad, you will be able to bring up that widget, and just hand it to Neil Gaiman right there in the store. He'll be able to sign it, and it'll automatically be part of your ebook forever. I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. I liked the, uh, I think it was Amazon had a, a method where the author, who was confirmed as the author, could sign it. And it would stay on your ebook. Now, Apple's doing a thing where it's sort of just like anyone can sign it. So I could sign your ebook, you know. But how is that different from a regular book? So, I, I, again, that, 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 that actually has a ring of authenticity to it. Yeah. But, but with the Amazon model, you could, that ebook, you could say, look, Neil Gaiman signed it. Like, other than hacking it, he signed it. <laughs> now, anyone could sign it and say it was a Neil Gaiman signed ebook. But you know what? Without the ability to transfer ebooks, does it really matter, anyways? What does it mean to collect an ebook or to sell an ebook on eBay? Right. What, what? Yeah, those those yeah. concepts don't really make sense yet. Look at all my ebooks. Look, I got yeah. like ten thousand ebooks. How many are signed, <laughs> man? How many are signed? <laughs> Dude, you rock, man. <laughs> so the, all this digital stuff, really, buy the book, folks. <laughs> I know. Uh, I. I know that Sir Jimmy has wanted people to sign his dongle before, but I think that hey might be something different. <laughs> the list is long but distinguished. <laughs> oh, I can't get it to stop. Stop, Spider-Man. There we go. Uh, so we're through the show notes. This is with the part where we just, you know, shoot the breeze. I got one thing. Uh, shoot the breeze. Play the podcast jingle because oh, you know what I'm going to talk about. Let's do it. Podcasts. My favorite new podcast, I, I knew it was out there for a long time, and I resisted it. It's the Joe Rogan experience. If nobody knows who Joe Rogan is, just remember the TV show Fear Factor, and he yep. was the host. And now if you ever watch the Ultimate Fighting Championship, the UFC, the martial artist where the jiu-jitsu guy like, fights the wrestling guy, um, he does, he's one of the commentators. Um, short little guy, all kinds of muscles. He's he's a stand-up comedian. He's sort of like a renaissance man, as far as I can tell. But um, his podcasts are like three hours, and he has some pretty interesting guests. Some of them are comedians. Some of them are... Uh, I look back through the back catalog um, after I heard the first one and, and got interested, and I saw one with Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is an astrophysicist, and the guy, one of the people who was... Uh, I guess. Probably one of the smartest people on Earth. Yeah, but he's one of the guys that demoted Pluto down to a uh, you know, you know what, so Jimmy, we, we played We played the, his rap, which I believe was Joe Rogan's podcast that actually uh, did the rap. They, they auto-tuned... Well Synergy. They auto Synergy. Yeah, they, they auto-tuned one of his chats about science into yes. a rap. We'll play that for our end of the show uh, clip. But he has musicians on. He has... Um, like I said, other stand-up comedians. He has uh, actors. Um, one of the best, the two best ones, or I guess three. Neil deGrasse Tyson, 
Um, listen to the one where um, David Lee Roth comes on. Nice. And the third best one is a, a street artist named David Cho, C-H-O-E, okay. who designed the iconic Obama picture in the, yes. the blue and the oh, red right. thing. The hope, and yes. And so he did that. Um, but th he's particularly interesting because he did some work for Facebook before they went public. He did some artwork for them. And uh, um, not... Not Zuckerberg, but the other guy, Sean Parker, said, "You know, we, I don't. You, I can either give you like some money, or or I can give you like uh, this stock that's going to be worth some money later, a lot of money." And he's like, "Man, I really need money." He goes, "Dude, take the stock." And he took the stock, and boom, they sell. He's worth like two hundred million bucks. Nice. Listen to the David Cho interview, three hours, and listen for the spot where he goes to like. Um, a massage parlor in Thailand, and they give him the velvet rope. Okay, listen Excuse for me. it. There's the show title. I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen to Sir it. Jimmy gives us the velvet rope. <laughs> yes. The velvet no, rope. No, he does not. <laughs> the velvet rope. We're gonna end it off right there. This is episode whatever it is. The velvet rope. We'll end it off with uh, a little clip from uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Doing his rap as auto-tuned by Rogan. <laughs> there you go. Hey, come on the show, Joe. Love to have you on, Joe. Must See you next week. Here. Same book time. Same book channel. <laughs> the velvet rope. Come on. You might need the red rope. Velvet Stay rope. tuned, book readers and book listeners. Book Guide Show will return next week. Same book time, same book channel. The universe is far more wondrous than anything we can imagine. So to say I need your creativity and you know uh, to, to keep your life interesting, we got black holes filleting stars. Life on Earth could have been seeded by Mars. Stars that explode, we watch them explode and we date them from when we see them explode. But hell, they'd exploded long ago. If they were a thousand light years away, they exploded a thousand years ago. But you had no knowledge of it until today. The field of astrophysics called gamma ray. We have found microbial life that can survive dehydration, high radiation. Do you realize that if you fall into a black hole, you will see the entire future of the universe unfold in front of you in a matter of moments, and you will emerge into another space-time created by the singularity of the black hole you, you just fell into? You just broke the internet. S talk about that! Mars once had liquid coursing on its surface. Geologic Marsologic features. You see lake beds. You see all of this. Mars was habitable before Earth was. Asteroid impact. Flames surrounding rocks into interplanetary space. That subset of the variation in a generation can survive that journey through space. We have found what we call extremophiles on Earth that thrive under conditions that would kill us. High pressure, low pressure, high temperature, low temperature, high radiation. All of these conditions, if Mars formed life, then life on Earth could have been seeded by life on Mars, making every life form on Earth a descendant of Martians. We are one bubble of many, prizing an infinite set of bubbles, deserving the retrospectively obvious name, multiverse. So we're just one bubble, and this multiverse is churning them out. Other universes, the laws of physics might be altered from ours. Some universes might be slightly different. Laws. Other universes might be created without matter at all. We're on a one-way expansion trip. We might be able to invent a multiverse transport kit, where you leave your universe and enter another. But I don't recommend that. If the laws of physics are even slightly different, then everything that holds you together would just collapse if you stepped into the zone of this other universe. There's no telling how our laws of physics would interact. So, you ask what's before the universe, it may be the multiverse. Because, in our experience, the universe never makes anything in one. When we thought Earth is it, no, Earth is just one of many other planets. Well, the sun is, no, the sun is one of a billion stars in Milky Way. No, no, there's a hundred billion other galaxies in the universe. The universe? Well, we've been there before. Right. Am I going to say there's one? Because the trend says more. So maybe there's this multi. Well, that just continues to push the question a little deeply. If this entity never makes anything in ones, then why would it only make 
one multiverse. Maybe there are multiple multiverses. Jesus Christ! Wrap your head around that, kids. I joke about this half seriously, that if an alien comes to visit, I'd flip them a coin. If they don't explode, then I'll shake their hand. We needed a word bigger than supernova, hypernova. These are the biggest explosions known in the universe. It comes out in two beams. If you happen to be in the beam, with... Like you have written poetry about it. I've, well, it, once it gets in you, you have, you know, no way it comes out. Another one. The atoms and molecules in your body are traceable to the crucibles in stars, manufactured over its lifespan, exploding its guts across the galaxy, scattering it into gas clouds that have the right ingredients to make planets and people. Which means we are part of this universe. Not only are we in the universe, the universe is in us. I think the greatest poetry is revealing the beauty in something so simple you had taken it for granted. That, I think, is the job of the poet.